story. Welcome back to another episode of Pilot Boys. I am your host. My name is Caesar. And I'm your guest, Karen. Karen is a stranger who walked into my house and just happened to <laughs> come Walk on the mic. Walk in just right on time. Come on the mic and... That you had set up for no one. Yeah. But I kind of like her. <laughs> uh, you can stay. I have some interesting points. You can stay if you pay rent. Today we are doing the new... HBO, it's not new, I guess. It's already it's had its broadcast run. Yeah, Showtime. Yeah, it's called On Becoming a God in Central Florida. And it is created by Robert Funke and Matt Lutsky. And apparently it's their first outing ever. They have no experience. They have no experience. And it's starring Kristen Kirsten? Kirsten Dunst. Kristen? Kristen Dunst? Kristen Dunst. Krispy Kreme? Kristen Dunst. <laughs> Krispy Kreme and Alexander Skarsgård, the guy, oh, that was him, right? From Big Little Lies? Yeah. The wife beater in Big Little Lies. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and about- And also Eric Northman from True Blood, his most iconic role. He was in that? He's Eric Northman. Oh, that's right. Um, <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> but have you seen True Blood, though? So the premise of the first episode, or the premise of the series has been described as like a woman who ups the ranks of this multi, uh, multi-level Just read your marketing. Recap. Just read no, that's recap. the recap of the first episode. But the premise of the show uh, uh, is about uh. this woman who moves up the ranks of this pyramid scheme slash multi-level marketing thing. And what did you think? What did you think of the first episode? It was good, right? I, I feel like a broken record every time you ask me because I always say it was good. Well, no, you could say you didn't uh, like it. I mean, last episode was all negativity. Yeah, right? It was like bad vibes. Super bad the vibes. The entire last episode was like we all bad vibes. We just are so negative. We have to start thinking hold on, hold on, positively. Hold on, hold on, Vibe check. You're being a little nag right now. <laughs> so what'd you think? Well, no, I mean, right now I'm being... I'm peeing? I'm being positive. All right, so you're going to tell me what you thought? Or? <laughs> <laughs> no, I liked it. Uh is this the show that I would normally watch on my own? Probably, Probably not. not. But I thought that the marketing for it was interesting. The like her smiling up. Yeah, like kinda, I feel like that was no. like I did. I going in, I knew nothing about it mm-hmm. besides that Kristen Dunst was in it. Yeah, me either. But she was wearing braces. So I'm like, what does this mean? Yeah, so which think- is also like a very like interesting way to kind of introduce the show. Right? Yeah, yeah, because like it's. It's very minimalist, I think, the marketing, right? Mm, yeah. It's just literally her in a, on a billboard. Kind of staring up and smiling. Staring up that and like, smiling. Uh, I don't know, it's like a generic kind of Kmart. Yeah, it looks very 90s. Pose. Yeah, yeah. Very 90s, very like synthetic. And the show mall. takes place in 92, so yeah. they kind of nailed that. So I think that that's what interested me in watching the show. And I yeah. thought the first episode was really good. You know, I got to give Showtime their credit because they're pretty good at like garnering attention with their posters i think a lot of their posters like promo for each season is very like attractive and like oh i want to watch that and i just think that showtime's problem is always like this is going on too long like yeah like shameless or everything weeds dexter a lot of their shows are just we've had this discussion before i mean it's pretty like well documented at this point yeah on the pilot boys podcast tm registered trademark thing yeah, I really liked the first episode, too. I thought it was... I mean, I, my bag is, like, dark comedies. I love dark comedies. And this... As soon as it started, I was like, I'm gonna like this. Because it starts off really dark. Yeah. It starts off, like... It's nighttime, and he's... One of the characters is, like, listening to one of the tapes for the multi-level pyramid scheme type shit. And he's, like, very inspired by it. But it's also, like, kind of ominous, I think. Yeah, it almost feels like very surreal you yeah. know like i don't, I feel like it there's been i don't know if it's recent or not but i just feel like i've been, i've seen portrayals of like the south or like mm. you know where it's, it's kind of 
like outlandish and like what happens. It reminds me of like Atlanta uh-huh. and that like the, like the Florida man, right? Like or like the idea of the Florida man, yeah. who's out there and like the Florida man is always doing bad things. Okay, right? we'll, we'll get into that because I read an article about the Florida man as an idea, mm-hmm. whether it's like you know what what it represents as florida whether it's the meme whether it's you know all these different things so we'll we'll get into that later well yeah i mean i just i think that i've seen a lot of portrayals of like the south or the middle of nowhere the heartland of the united states keep keep that point because that's a good point that i want to kind of elaborate more on because this does fall in line with you know like the fargos the atlantas the claws like those shows that are very hyper specific and they kind of use, you know, it, it is the South. They use the South as a character, as kind of like... Yeah, like these crazy things just happen It brings in you South. into the world. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go into a recap real quick, and then we'll, we'll go from there. So, I wrote it out, so it's going to sound really canned and generic. Somewhere in what's described as Orlando, Orlando. I wrote Orlando. I know, I read it. I read it, and I didn't fix it, because I wanted you to read it as Orlando. Okay, you can leave. And now. it paid off. You can leave now. You did exactly what I wanted you to do. <laughs> All right, so somewhere somewhere in what's described as Orlando adjacent, the first episode <laughs> follows a married couple named Crystal and Travis Stubbs. As Travis, the husband, and Alexander Skarsgård, he tries to move up in this pyramid scheme called FAM. Travis tried to convince Crystal's boss at the water park to use FAM products, but he declines. That was supposed to put him in another tier of FAM, and he would quit his job, but after the sales pitch fails crystal gives him an ultimatum saying that if he doesn't put the family first she'll leave he decides to go through with it and quit his job but due to sleep deprivation he sees an imaginary moose that pops up on pops up on the road and he drives off and gets eaten by an alligator and then it it just kind of goes into like his funeral and then she has like this big moment at the end so i think one of the things that stood out to me right away was kind of these shows that are working to air out the grievances of the working class right now. Um, I'm thinking of gem gemstones, obviously, because it's like the people who attend the super, like the mega churches of gemstones are the working class or like, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the, yeah, the middle class, I guess, or the working class. It's just, it, it's a lot about how rich people kind of take advantage of the working class. Mm-hmm. And I think these two shows get at two th- Two very, like, you know, hot topics that have been throughout the last decade, you know? Like, very... We've been upset about them for a long time, but now we're getting media that kind of directly addresses them. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, yeah, it works for the most part to kind of, like... At least this one does, I think. Works to kind of deny the idea of the American dream or, like, the idea of success. It works to kind of undo... That idea, I mean, several shows have done that, but this one, I think, kind of looks at one example of, like, this person who's trying to move up in the ranks in a, in a pyramid scheme and how it doesn't work out for them. And it's, it's kind of starting to, like, you know, critique or dissect or kind of, like, understand why that is. And, like, because Alexander Skarsgård's character, you can kind of see the desperation and, like, the he has like this madness to him in a way that like completely goes against the rhetoric of pyramid schemes. Oh, what do you mean by that? So the ideology usually is like, it's very like a go getter type of ideology. Like you're going to go out there and conquer, you know, whatever it is. It's, it's a very like, I don't know, like this idea that, you it's first of all it's like bootstrappy and it's very like neoliberal that you can only get as far as the work that you put into it Mm -hmm. and if you're not and if you trust the system then you'll succeed and if you don't then it's because you didn't work hard enough yeah it's more than anything like this is a system that's in place and it works and you have to believe in the system yeah and i think part of that system is like predicated on capitalism or like the idea that you know this capitalistic society that we live in or this idea of the american dream if you work hard enough you'll get it yeah it's a, it's a ladder yeah but it's it's i think cleverly or if not cleverly deceptively it's weaved into the ideology of pyramid schemes or like 
I mean, because personally, I have my own experience with it. So there's this thing called, uh, what is it called? Primerica? Primerica. There's this thing called Primerica. I mean, it's all over the U.S., but it's very predatory in it's Southeast also, L.A. communities. But it's also, I think it's kind of funny, like, these pyramid schemes exist in all facets of industry, right? Sure. So Primerica is like a financial pyramid scheme. Yeah, it's about, um, like, selling insurance. Yeah, Lu- LuLaRoe, remember that one? Herbalife. Yeah, like, LuLaRoe was, like, literally leggings as pyramid schemes. It was what? Leggings? Like, you sold leggings. Uh, I think the most, per- the one that was most pervasive in our communities was Herbalife. Er- yeah, definitely sure. Herbalife. But, I mean, like, the one that's getting a lot of coverage is was also, like, LuLaRoe, because it targeted, like, middle class. Oh, you know what women. else parodies uh, pyramid schemes like this? I mean, less, uh, more indirectly, uh, Los Spookies. Yeah, I was thinking about they, that, too. They have that, uh, there is, like, this this guy who is selling products and then they decide to buy a bunch and then they can't sell it back. The typical story of pyramid schemes. But I think that it also speaks to kind of like the ideology of like, you know, you have to like constantly be wanting more. I don't know. Like I'm starting to conflate all of these ideologies as like coming from one source, which is like, or not one source, but like they're very similar in their language. Like the whole like, manifesting and like doing things for yourself and like being an entrepreneur like that hustle spirit Mm -hmm. has this kind of ideology and language that is very like first of all it's it's very shame it shames other people like your identity is through an antithesis or like how you're different than other people and how everybody's like the sheep i feel like it's really woven into the pyramid scheme slash multi-level marketing culture does that make sense that you're like, like everybody else. People just, are poor because they're not trying hard enough. Yeah. So, like, for example, in the show, he'll say, yeah, you're working a J-O-B. And J-O-B is supposed to be, like, a curse because you're working something that you're not, you don't own that. Yeah. And they come up with, like, different things. It's, like, supposed to be an acronym. And that, to me, is very adjacent or analogous to, you know, like, the hustle, entre- like, the Instagram entrepreneurs mm-hmm. of, like, you know... I'm on my grind kind of shit. You mm-hmm. know, like, it's it's not much different. Yeah. I see a, a through line. So I feel like, I mean, maybe this show isn't directly engaging with the way that, you know, that entrepreneur kind of, like, hustler. See, I don't know. See, not that, I think that might be too much of an umbrella to kind of go into, but I think that the language is very similar, and it speaks to what is kind of going on and like the ideology of like the hustling spirit or like the entrepreneur spirit and how most of us think it's bullshit but it's super super popular yeah and people buy into it what do you think of that <laughs> mm-hmm. maybe i have more exposure to it because i hate it <laughs> i i mean i think you're also kind of obsessed with it but i think yeah. everybody's kind of obsessed with it right now because i mean i think you're right that like we're starting to see more coverage at least in like mainstream media about like how these pyramid schemes are actually pyramid schemes, you know? Like, you know, there are more, like, John Oliver's done, like, a thing on it, yeah. on Herbalife, and, you know, so we're starting to see more coverage that, like, everybody can agree that these are all just farces, and they're, like, brainwashing people. Yeah. But I think that, that now it's starting to enter popular culture in a not, like... And a nonfiction, but I think way. It, it, yeah, you know what I, I mean because most of those that you described are kind of like shows that engage with the politics of that. But do you also think that it might have to do with like the influencer culture you're talking about? That like we're starting like people are like, oh, I hate influencers. Like Firefest happened, and we like it kind of like popped the influencer bubble to a certain extent. Like we're all like being way way more cynical about influencers, and now that's becoming like a wave of like hating influencers. Right? Well, okay. So, I think you're doing what I did, and I'm trying to kind of talk about it all. And I think that's probably where I went wrong, because I was, I was kind of, like, just scooping everything into yeah, the I same... Yeah, I mean, like, when you stop... You talk for, like, three minutes yeah. straight, and you're like, well, what do you think? That was a lot to dissect. I know. So, <laughs> yes. I agree that I think that there is that ideology online. And I think part of it is, like... Before you would have those kind of like 
ideas, but you just wouldn't put it out there. Or like there were spaces for them. They just weren't always online. You know what I mean? Like now we're more exposed to it because they're starting to more information starting to come out about like how these these practices were very deceptive. And also, like, everybody is constantly showcasing their ideology. Mm-hmm. And we see that they're not much different. Do you think that that's why this show takes place in the 90s? Well, yeah, I think in some ways it is kind of like the kind of like the precursor to that. I mean, it's been around longer than the 90s. Yeah. But it is, I mean, in some ways it does feel like the precursor. And I don't think that, like, the business ideology spirit is much different. That one just seems more cutthroat. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you gotta be this way. Like, it's very much like, this is the idea of the person I have to be to succeed. And that feels like a gross product of capitalism. What do you mean by gross product? Like, it feels sticky. It feels icky. Like, it oh, feels very, oh, okay. like... okay, like, it's just gross. Like, yeah, it feels okay. like, a, like a disgusting... Because <laughs> I was just like, oh, what are you trying to say about, like... Like gross products, like the ah. G- like GDP or ah. something, you know. Like- well, I mean, I I mean, there is a lot of power to. <laughs> like for a second, I was just like, "Ooh, yeah!" Like let's dissect it. Let's talk about economics. You thought I was smarter than uh, than I actually am. When? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't go to Georgetown. I didn't either. Yikes! But yeah, what do you think about that? Like, do you have anything to add? Like, do you think that it affirms or denies that idea? Do you think it is okay? So the reason why I'm I, I think that. At least the first episode works to kind of undo that, is because we sh- it shows more than anything how this hurt her life, like that obsession that her husband had led him literally to his death. The obsession with like wanting more, like the obsession of like I don't know, it's he was addicted to like the pursuit maybe, like the idea that he was he was on the horizon to like great things. Yeah, I mean there was definitely um like a difference between. Alexander Skarsgård's character and Kirsten Dunn's character. Yeah, which is which is interesting because like he's presented as like a meek kind of like shy, very like not a very decisive person, versus she's like very sure of herself. Mm-hmm. And I think we're supposed like we obviously kind of like attach ourselves to Kirsten Dunn because we're like he's an idiot, versus she's kind of like the worst. Well, she class. just feels real. Yeah, she feels way more grounded. Yeah. I mean, but is it is it like is this show passing judgment on people who fall into these multi level marketing schemes? Yes. And should we still? Should we still what? Pass judgment on them. Mm, you know, maybe not necessarily like I guess passing judgment. Uh it feels like the show is like presenting Kirsten Dent's character with an opportunity. Well yeah, so that's right? why that's like, why that's I- how she be I mean if we like lay it all out there, that's how she becomes a god in Central Florida yeah. because she takes advantage of what's been laid out for her. Yes, which is why I'm asking if this show confirms or affirms or denies the idea of the multi-level marketing scheme. Is it all bullshit, or is it just designed to truly only help a few people? Well, I mean, I think to say help is like giving it too much credit i think we know the kind of people that profit off of those pyramid schemes and they're the kind of people that don't give a fuck about like anybody so does that mean that to become a god you have to you have to step on others so if you're saying that that was the presentation, or like that, was, she's presented with an opportunity at the end of the first episode. Right? Well, I mean, it gives you the thesis when, like, yeah. the founder of the company is like talking to her, like, all these people are out there because of your husband. Now you take advantage of that. Yeah. So, in some ways, is her husband's death was it necessary for her to become a god? Like, is he the sacrifice for her to become a god? I think so. Also, because. Because, as you said, like, we're, as the audience, we're given Alexander Skarsgård's character as, like, he's very meek. And he's, like, he he's he's weak because he believes it in the ideology too much. Yeah. The key is to be cynical of the ideology and know that it's, like, a system, you know, developed to 
make suckers out of people. Mm-hmm. Right? And so we know from the first episode that Kirsten Dunn's character, she's not a sucker. She knows that it's like not a legit system. And now because she has, she's cynical about it, she can take advantage of it. So is is the show kind of like praising the cynicism as an ideology? Like, is it saying that you need this cynicism to kind of survive in? Because I think more than anything, she's a survivor. Yeah. Like. Based on what she's. She's literally done everything by herself. I like, mean, we don't know any. We also don't know anything about her background. We just we know, know that she's she was able to support what's going on at home by herself. Even though she was like blinded by love, but she was able to take care of her kid, work a full time job, and kind of take care of you know take care of what, what needed to be around the house because he he was already like behind on bills. He wasn't he was a very like absent father. You know he he was more concerned with what's to come than what's what's going on mm-hmm. at home. I think that the show has this cynicism to it. In a way that, like, I don't know. I mean, this is a spoiler because the article I read it describes her as an anti-hero, mm-hmm. which we haven't this we haven't we haven't seen that yet. We haven't been introduced to her as that. Yeah, but I mean, we can. But does that mean that. that everybody who kind of is involved with these and is is successful are they anti-heroes? Is becoming a god in the modern sense of the United States? Can you only become that through being a you know like a bad person or profiting off of others? Isn't that capitalism? I mean to some. I'm asking you. In terms of the show, I think that's what it's telling us. I think that's going to be the main thesis of the show moving forward. That you can't succeed without kind of taking advantage of others? Yeah. Okay. That is my prediction for the show. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Yeah. That's a very bleak world that the show's presenting. It's a bleak world that the show presented us with the first episode yeah it really is like nobody in nobody in that was happy the only people that were happy were the people that bought into the ideology of fam and they're like Mm. yeah the system works the only people that were truly like happy and like smiling the entire time were the crowd of people that were gathered to see you know like in the event of like fam is that like the burden of knowledge like they're only happy because they don't know any better I mean, they're that, happy because they like... be, because they bought the ideology that they were selling. Mm. Maybe that's like the real export from fam. The ideology? Because yeah, because realistically, I mean, didn't it seem it's like not... a cult. Like it seemed like Scientology. Well, you know? yeah, like, they even for sure. have like because yeah, like, the I, I level think... of tears and like absolutely. I think this this show is speaking and falling in line with current kind of. You know, this trend of, like, cults that's been in popular culture recently. Once Upon a Time, that show about Charles Manson, Mindhunter. Like, there's a lot of shows kind of addressing the cults that kind of, you know, like, fascinated us. And it is, like, I think the show itself is kind of saying, like, look at these people and how dumb they are in -hmm. some ways. And is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Like, does does art need to do that? What do you mean? Like, does, does art, does art ha- always have a place for kind of the judgment of others? Hmm. Like, does making a show about how bad pyramid schemes are, is that going to change kind of the people who still follow it? Like, this is obviously not for them. Mm-hmm. This is for people. Who, I mean, this is like a it's people who want to make fun of them. <laughs> like, this is for people like us who think they're dumb. But I think this is this but is a also tangent, though. I mean, <laughs> and I'm sorry. But the show, even though we're saying, we're interpreting that the show is casting judgment on them. Like, in the show, though, I mean, it was ridiculous, but it it didn't necessarily make fun of the people that believed in the system. Hmm. Do you feel that it made fun of them? Like, I feel like it was funny and absurdist and, like, the fact that they bought into all of this. You know, the fact that he, like, bought a tuxedo and he was not sleeping and he like listened to those tapes and that like the founder came in on a helicopter but i think it does pass judgment but it's not ridiculing the people that believe in it you don't think so i literally i think that the show is very clearly doing that 
Like I it's a very like it's it's very cringy when you see him walk out of his job and he's so oblivious to like cuz I don't think I don't think the people watching this show or like the audience watching the show I don't think you 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 get the idea that like things are going to work out for him. There is kind of this sense of like doom to his you know the way he carries himself. The way that like this is really it's almost like a disease, I think, because mm-hmm. I don't, th- I, I don't, th- I also don't think the show is presenting it very neutrally in like a way where it's like, you know, these are fine. If people want to believe it, it's fine. I think it is kind of a warning call to what these things can do to people's lives. It can destroy them in the micro and in the macro. Mm-hmm. So I do think that the show is casting judgment. I mean, I'm, it's not like I disagree, but I also think that because. It's doing that. It makes me reflect or it makes me think that, like, I do the same thing. I think, I don't know, maybe it's just at the time I watched it, but it made me feel like I'm judging these people for, for buying into something. In the same way, I mean, it, it is very, like, cultish or churchish, church-ish in the way that Gemstones is, is very in, directly engaging with the idea of faith. Mm-hmm. This show does the same thing, but it's faith of the kind of things that govern our world, which is like money and like our obsession like material with success. Wealth. Yeah, exactly. And I think this show is dealing with a different kind of faith and a God that, I mean, American gods would probably have it in the God of money or something, the God of wealth, mm-hmm. the God of success or whatever it is. Is this kind of like, you know, like we're seeing her descent into madness, you know, like, is this her kind of like, she's no longer a decent person. Yeah. Okay. I think that's the layout of it, right? How do you feel about that? What do you think about those, like that obsession with kind of like the anti-hero, bad people? Yeah, because we love. I mean, bad it's people. more it's more cynicism, right? Like that's all. Like what makes her bad is like, well, one we're we're cynical about it, and then also we think the show is going to be a cynical show. But also, part of it is that like she's not yet cynical. Which I think it's kind of interesting that we're recording about the first episode because we're not even talking about what the show is even going to be about yet. We're seeing kind of like the trend line, the the before she becomes who she mm-hmm. is known to be, kind of thing. But but there's like no other like I said this earlier like there's no other path for her if she is truly going to become a god. It's because she's going to take advantage of people and she's going to you know. She's going to buy into the system yeah. and she's going to preach the gospel and people are going to buy what she's selling. Yeah. And that's how she's going to be a terrible person. And that's how she's going to become a god. Mm. What I do like about kind of the, the thesis of the show or just kind of like what the title evokes is the idea that a god is not the god like is this kind of like more of the old school gods like the very you know like self-absorbed kind of narcissistic gods who just wanted for themselves like zeus trying to fuck everything that lives mm-hmm. this is kind of one of those gods and it's kind of the god of material like the god of kind of you know being the master of whatever your domain your life kind of shit which i mean i think it's a i think it's an interesting title it's super long but it's an interesting time. You know, I don't even know what it is. Like how I became a god and on becoming Flo- a god on. in Central Florida. So it already sounds like. I mean, it also sounds based on the title. It sounds like a title of a book, like a memoir. Yeah. It sounds like Jordan Belfort is kind of yeah, right. Like about- it sounds like she's. That's why it's very easy for us to speculate on what's going to happen to the show, like in the show to Kirsten Dunst's character, because it already feels like we're looking at it from. The future is a Joker. So I think I think two two things in pop culture right now, the Joker and this kind of deal with the idea of you know what it is. This fulfilling, this, it's a prophecy almost. Like these people haven't become the people they're gonna be yet. Like Vice, a big part of it, and I'm, maybe that's the first act structure. You find out who how he becomes who he is, and it's usually like this this obsession with like how bad people became who they are, you know? Like, we, mm-hmm. we we love to kind of dissect and understand how 
bad people could do what they did. Yeah. Also, I think what has this fresh in your mind, too, is because El Camino just came out. And so we're thinking of, like, Breaking Bad already. Like yeah. I mean, yeah, like Breaking fresh Bad. In, yeah. fresh in our minds. That's, like, a classic example. Yeah. That's but, the anti-hero. But, like, you know, there can't be a prequel to Breaking Bad that'll work in its favor. I think Better Call Saul is a better example of, like... Because that one, it traces him. I guess, yeah. No, I mean, I'm not saying... Like, I just wanted to add that. Like, also, you're already... think Like, you already have this kind of fresh in your mm, mind, this an- gotcha. anti-hero idea fresh in your mind because we've been talk- watching El Camino. Well, we watched yeah. El Camino and then we've been hearing about it, yeah. other people watching it. I just Sorry. feel like in pop culture, there is a lot of things that are kind of swirling around in this you know kind of tornado of things that we're talking about and this one hasn't ever really gone away like our obsession with bad people and also trying to reconcile with what they did like i mean for her to become a god it requires her to you know benefit from the suffering of others like she's gonna do to others what she had to suffer Mm mm-hmm and I think part of that origin story is more about the origin story of a villain than it is necessarily a hero or even an anti-hero. But I don't know. What do you think? Is she a villain or is she just an anti? Like, is an anti-hero a better prescription than? Well, I mean, to say a villain, I think, I think anti-heroes need to know that what they're doing is bad. Villains just do bad things because it's because they want to. And that's that conflict of like knowing that what you're doing is bad and it goes against your morals, but you don't care about it anymore. That conflict is what makes. I mean, it's the tension, right? Like what makes it so interesting to watch. As if she's she's just above good, but just below bad. Yeah. But she's choosing to do bad things because, you know, they're for her benefit at that point. So what I'm kind of thinking—I mean, we, is like, this is a lot of this is a lot of speculation. We don't know what the show's about. We do know yet. what the show's about. We only saw the first episode. What if it like completely like changes? Also, it's set in the '90s. What if like next? What ne- next season? It's like set in the, in the present day. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. I think I mean I think we covered everything about that. Like kind of where pop culture's head is at at the moment with all these things that are kind of worrying us. I mean, but it's also like this is addressing the concerns of kind of middle America mm-hmm. and how that, you know, that affects people of color too, but it's not like people of color issues, though I do think that this could have easily been a person of color show. Because the person, the people who do often like buy into these have been people who are, you know, they have less means mm-hmm. or they're in poverty. Because more than anything with the show, with the, what multi-level, with, with pyramid schemes, what they sell is ideas and ideologies. That's what you're truly paying for. If you learn how to finesse it and kind of make money from it, you are not the rule, you're the exception. And I think this show is another kind of like, tally in the american dream not real you might be a bad person if that's your ideology mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah anything else that you wanted to address that i said in those five minutes where i didn't stop talking you said so much in those five minutes i know is there anything you it felt was hard like to keep track. we didn't we didn't address i think th- i think we talked about like the main themes of the show yeah that we saw from that episode Cause, so the reason why I brought up so many things is because I feel like it's made up of so many components. It's made up of, like, the first step to kind of, you know, being successful in an entrepreneur is you have to change the way you think. And I feel like that, just taking that first step, exists so much just around culture. Like, Instagram... You know, it's everywhere. It's yeah. very pervasive. I mean, people just but people also want to buy into the idea of like, oh yeah, all of my problems—they're because I wasn't thinking right. Yeah, they are, they can easily be solved if I just start thinking this way. Yeah, and it's also putting so much faith 
in a system where it's 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 kind of the idea of like how do we get out of this trust the system okay the system is right but then it's it's more than anything it's it's like showing circular, the flaws circular logic. yeah it's showing the flaws in in what the system is instead mm-hmm. of like questioning the system it just shows people who learn how to f- work outside and through so the do system. you think that this show is a system of late stage capitalism hmm so the, what, what a I was symptom? A- no a result is a result of late late stage capitalism like does late stage capitalism also breed kind of critiques of it yeah i mean i don't know i feel like, like this, this is-, is this is really conceptual <laughs> now dude are we philosophy majors no but i mean if you think about it like this we have been seeing a lot more of like these pyramid schemes being busted of like the influencer culture of like side hustles Mm. like this idea of like side hustles like those i feel like people a lot of people have been saying that everywhere recently and it's like well why do so many people need side hustles if they have a full-time job Mm. And like they work forty five hours a week, you know they they shouldn't have to have side hustles. What well, is I the think, result of that? I think the show is showing the hypocrisy of like just because you work more doesn't mean you're more successful, or like just because you do certain things. And it's also kind of like more than anything, it's it's showing how kind of like where our heads at, or like what our priorities are. We think that like working ourselves to death essentially which is, you know, her husband, will yield, it will be worth it at some point. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, like that's that's worked out for some people. But what a lot of this shit doesn't address is the luck that's involved with shit like that. It's mm-hmm. it's very much that chemical X. It's it's And people don't like to admit it. They're like, what? No, I worked really hard for all of this. Yeah. You know, I'm not lucky. I yeah. just worked really hard. And I think with this episode or with this first this this first episode is kind of showing you that like you can work as hard as you want and you'll still get nothing for it. Yeah. That's the cynicism of the show for me. Or that's what I saw at least. All right, I want to I want to kind of pivot to Chris, Kirsten Dunst's career pivot. You know who Kirsten Dunst reminds me of? And I don't know. And I think especially in the show, I don't know if you'll agree with me, but she really reminds me of Maggie Gyllenhaal. I see that in kind of like the pivot. Because Maggie Gyllenhaal has... But see, the only difference is Maggie Gyllenhaal has always kind of stayed working and she's kind of done all kinds of shit, like really weird stuff. And I think... Kirsten Dunst's career pivot, I think Fargo marks the difference for me. Like, when she was in Fargo, she was just like, I mean, maybe, I, I don't know, if I'm sexist or whatever, but for me, I was just like, damn, she's a super strong performer now. Like, she's she can take it on so many levels. Because my only real exposure to her was Spider-Man as a kid. And then... And bring it on. I mean, yeah, but I don't remember that movie all that well. And, but, I mean, we saw her grow up, but... Interview with a vampire. Um, she was in Eternal Sunshine. I mean, I, virgin she's been suicide. In things, but I didn't like small soldiers. She didn't come on my radar in that way until I saw her in Fargo. Like you didn't think of her as a serious actress. Serious actor. That's so like that's so gross to say. But huh? like that's actually what you're saying. Uh, okay, let me say it this way. Once I saw Fargo, I became a Kirsten Dunst stan because I was like, all right. Now I can watch her. It's the same way with like uh, Robert Pattinson. I didn't care about that dude at all until I saw Good Life or Good Time, the the Safdie movie, and I was just like, oh, this this motherfucker is like legit. The same thing with Ryan Gosling. When I saw Ryan Gosling like act act, I was like, okay, this dude's legit. The same thing with her. Like once I saw her in Fargo, I didn't know she, I didn't know she could take it there. I don't I don't think that's that's a gender thing. I just that's a performance thing. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it reads very gendered no matter what. Yeah. And I, I read this profile on her where she talks about how she's like, yeah, I'm just kind of like lay random. She's like, I like things that are like off the beaten path. She's like, my favorite show right now is Invader Sim. You ever heard of it? She didn't say that. Uh, but she did say her favorite show is Baskets. The Zach Galifianakis mm-hmm. one. Yeah. So I think that it's <laughs> it's one of those things where like, is she now doing her best work? At this age? Like, Adam McKay... I wonder if Adam McKay 
thinks that his best work is the new stuff or kind of the comedy stuff. Mm-hmm. Because he's completely pivoted his entire career. And I'm sure Todd Phillips is going to do the same thing now with Joker. Is this kind of like, here, I feel like she's found a niche that's really working for her. Where like she gets to express herself artistically and, um, you know, like, I don't, not to say that like her other roles weren't fulfilling, but she's, I feel like she was doing, she's been doing a lot of work and it's been paying off a lot. Yeah. These are also roles that really are character driven, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I haven't watched Fargo. Well, yeah. I mean, Fargo, it was, it's. They're just like multi fat. I mean, the, she's also working in TV now. Yeah. Which is not. The roles that she had in the movie. I mean, I guess she had a few serious. But she roles gets in so movies. she EP'd the show. She executive produced the show. This show and the show, yeah. So the show, the the life, the life of the show. It started on. It it was supposed to be on AMC in 2017, and then they didn't do it. It was supposed to be on YouTube TV, and they didn't do it. And then it finally found a home in Showtime. Mm-hmm. But she was EPing it, and and part of that is because she wanted to have more creative control of the character. And like she could do more with it, so I think I think it's not like I think she's now in a position where she gets to play or kind of explore. She has more agency over her role. Yes, but I also think that there is a through line between this and Fargo, because there are both the obsessed with kind of like odd people or like people who don't get as much shine mm-hmm. like Fargo and the Coen brothers in general. I mean, that isn't Coen brothers necessarily, but they're obsessed with like Midwest life and like how, you know, chaos can entirely change a normal situation. Mm-hmm. And I think this show isn't much different where it's, it's about this chaos in the micro and how she's going to find a way to finesse it or whatever. But, yeah, I think that this show does kind of, this is a great career move for her, I think. Because now we can see, like, it's it's it works on so many levels for her. Because I'm sure she, she might even win an Emmy for this. Mm-hmm. Or like, not to say that, you know, those are the things. And, the, and even the language that I'm using kind of fits in line with the idea of, like, success. And, like, these, these, these cultural markers of success for actors. You know what I mean? I feel like you're we're going to like. So am I high? We're we're dissecting society a little too much right okay. now. All right. <laughs> Anyways, all right. So we'll we'll finish off on the last point, which is like shows that have really been kind of playing with ideas of setting as a central part of shows. Atlanta, this show in Florida, Claws also in Florida. There's just a lot of shows, and then Detroiters, Southside. There's a lot of mm-hmm. shows that are kind of starting Even to... Even the Gemstones. There's a lot of shows that are kind of starting to really use setting. But, like, more than anything, like... less shine. I yeah, think. like, impoverished areas, usually. Yeah. Yeah, Florida is as much, and I think this show kind of affirms that, is everything and none of those things that people kind of have the ideas about. You know, like the Florida that exists in kind of the, in our minds is probably not as close as like we think it is. Mm-hmm. But it's also like those are real things that happened. Yeah. Like it's kind of the ideas of of L.A. Like L.A. and New York, everybody has their own interpretation. There's like a myth. Yeah. There's the myth of the setting, and it kind of exists in everybody's head as different things. And I think the show is very much in line with that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think the, the absurdest things, I think it helps to, I think I think for, for stuff that's like hyper-regional, the absurdest stuff, I don't know, it adds this like extra element of mis- myth or mystique to it, mm-hmm. where... Atlanta, it was like this absurdist world that almost kind of like sells the idea that only people from here would understand, even though whoever's from there probably still would understand that. But it's just kind of like this idea of like, yeah, you know, we 
this is this is Florida or like this is Atlanta. You know, it's mm. it's, it's it's almost like a like a nod to it, like the the weird eccentricities of a certain city. Mm-hmm. This one has that moose, but also has the alligator, mm-hmm. which is like very you know, very very specific to to the South or Why Florida moose? specifically. Yeah, right. That was odd. That was so odd. But yeah. I mean, it could have been anything for right. for the audience. Uh, Alexander Skarsgård is so sleep deprived that he consistently kind of. In and out, he kind of sees this moose, this large moose or elk on on the street, and it's like a apparition almost, yeah. and Twice. that's what causes him to kind of die. But what, yeah, what is that? I mean, I'm sure they'll explain it later, maybe. Or maybe they won't. Maybe it's a one-off. Maybe it's just like a random. Yeah. I thought Alexander Skarsgård was great in this. Yeah, he was fantastic. I'm like sad that he's dead. Yeah. Right. I was really sad about no, that. No, I agree. And it's not to say that, like, Florida hasn't been in pop culture, because of course it has. Yeah. But it's, like, but, it's a central part but of But do you it. think that's also to do with, like, the political climate? Hmm. I feel, I mean, at least this is, this is, I'm totally just speaking about myself. I don't know if this is true for everybody. But I just feel like since Trump was elected, there has been this, like, question of, like, why? Why what? Like, why did he get elected? Hmm. Right? And so, why did he get elected? Because of, like... People like this? Is that what you're saying? Why are you making that dumb face? (laughs) Isn't it? Like, wouldn't they be Trump supporters? Hmm. It could be. Wouldn't a lot of the people that we've talked about in the shows that we talked about be Trump supporters? I mean, at least, like, Gemstones and this show. So, without, without saying directly, yes. Like... It's, I it's, think that this show is giving voice to kind of like the ideologies or like the working class middle America kind yeah. of people. You know, like, yeah, it is kind of a response to it, but very indirectly. You know, like it's not like a, it doesn't engage with it directly. It more like, I think it's it's also a piece of like, let's understand yeah i think that's that's what i'm saying like it's like it's more like trying to understand like the thought process and like why like why is there such a big disconnect between you know the people that are asking why yeah and then the people that like voted Mm, okay but i'm totally speaking from like personal experience where i feel that like after that election, I was like, I did question, like, why did this happen? Yeah. And so now I want to know more about, like, life in the heartland. Like, why Like why is it so hard for me to understand, like, their point of view? So does this show both, like, identify the kind of person that Trump is and the kind of person who would support him? I don't think it says anything about Trump himself. Because I think... I think he's an interesting piece of pop culture. But don't you think that, <laughs> that his ideology is not much different than this? But like yeah, the, like the businessman, yeah, like, Wall like Street business, ideology. like the system worked for Trump. Yeah, and it could also work for you if you buy into this multi-level marketing scheme. Well, see, okay, now this is where we're starting. Okay, I'm starting to to bite a little bit more about the Trump thing. So the difference between Trump and her is that she had no means. She came, she literally, she is the American dream story. We haven't seen it yet, but the, the, the premise of the show, she is the story of like the American dream and working harder or like being abhorrent to get into a position. And I think maybe that's part of the reason why people are okay with him. Cause it is the idea of like, it is kind of a scheme. It is kind of a scam what he did. I mean, something that I read... He's selling an ideology. Something that I read was, like, people really respect rich people because they made it work for them. themselves, yeah. right? That, like, means and wealth is next to godliness. Yeah. And but so... I think that this show is saying that those people are full of shit. I don't think this show praises people who... No, I don't think it's praise... But also saying that they're full of shit, I don't think that it's ca- casting that much. Like it's, I don't think it's that harsh. Mm. You know what? Yeah, that's fair. Like it's not. It's. 
I think to say that they're full of shit is too harsh. It's more falling in line with like a Wolf of Wall Street than it is like a, you know, like another piece that's kind of more moralizing. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, I think that's it though. I don't think that it's necessarily as moralizing as we're making it out to seem. Mm. And I think that's the word for, that I was looking for earlier. Okay. That makes sense. Like, I think it does. Does it poke fun at people that buy into it? Yes. But I don't think that it is necessarily saying that they are, like, the biggest fools out there. So you, you think know? it's kind of an impartial presentation of it? And to say impartial, no. Because I do think that it has, I do think that it has a bias. And that is? That is, like, look at this ridiculous thing that's happening. Okay. As far as the first episode as, like, a piece of media... I do think, I think that it is a cautionary tale of what something like this can do to your family. And if you were to stop here, that would be kind of the lesson of the first episode. But also there is, you know, like the, the end of the first episode is her kind of starting to make a turn towards this ideology of like, she literally decides to act on her impulses and, you know, seek revenge, which is like her, you know, it could be a symbol for like her kind of like taking a stand and, you know, making a better life for herself or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I do think that the show is, I don't know if it's impartial, but I don't know if it's, it necessarily leans on one side too hard. Does that make sense? You don't think that it leans? I don't know if it's impartial, but I also don't know if it leans too hard on one side. So we're in agreement. Well, no, because you're saying that the show is not impartial. Didn't you just say that, it's, that you don't know if... But I also... is, I'm very confused by what you said right now. <laughs> okay. So I don't think that it's... Yeah, I guess we're saying the same thing. <laughs> Like, it's hard to figure out where its morals are. Yeah, based on the first episode. Okay. Yeah. Right? I agree. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, I, f- yeah, I felt like we were saying the okay, same thing. Okay, cool. I, I misunderstood what you said. I, I thought you said that it's not impartial, but it also is kind of like judging. It does have a bias. That's what you said. No, that's yeah. what you said. You Didn't, said it does have a bias. But you said earlier no, there was I'm saying a bias. That I don't you think said that they were, po- they were making people... You said they were poking fun at people. No, what I'm saying is that I don't think it's impartial, but I also don't think it's not impartial. So it's um, it's somewhere in there. Do you think there's a bias? I think that the show... I don't know, because, like, does Wolf of Wall Street have a bias? Well, you and I think of Wolf of Wall Street in very different ways. How so? I think I think my opinion changes on that movie day to day. Yeah. Well, when we've talked about it, I've told you that I don't like it because it feels like he won in the end. Like he did this terrible thing. He screwed over so many people and still like it, like the movie made him look cool. See, I disagree. I don't. There you go. Yeah, we disagree about that. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that that movie, while it's not necessarily impartial, it's not necessarily condoning. You know, like, it's not saying that his behavior is, like, the best. I don't know. I think that that one's a tough one because I don't know. You know about it. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, I, I can't, it's hard for me to decide on one one way. Because mm-hmm. I do think that the show does a lot of work to show you how how dumb these people are. But it also does a lot of work to show you how easily it is to buy into it. Mm-hmm. And it also is kind of, like casting or not casting but it's kind of starting to form the idea that like this is a person who's able to succeed despite it mm-hmm. and i think that in the end if it does that isn't that an affirmation of capitalism or of the american dream or is it not well it depends on how depends on the journey i think Mm. Right, because if we're if we're taking the cynical route in that she's going to be an antihero and she's going to screw a lot of people over and she's going to do a lot of despicable things, uh-huh. 
and she comes out winning at the end, you know, was it all worth it? I guess the bigger question I'm trying to ask is, is there a duty to, for art to have these moralizing ideas? Like we just watched, you and I just watched a movie that was super moralizing, like to the point where like it judges you at the end of the, the, the movie, which was the laundromat. Mm-hmm. It was literally a call to action at the end, like saying, make a fucking difference. I think that was too heavy handed. Mm. I think that, I don't know. I don't know if art does. I think that. You asked this question earlier, right? Yeah. I don't know if art has that duty to kind of be moralizing about. Well, I mean, more than anything, it has to. Not it doesn't have to, but art usually does just hold up a mirror. Right. That's what like a lot of people say, like it holds up a mirror. So is this more of a mirror or is this more of like. Doesn't this feel a little bit like a mirror? I feel like it's a little bit of both. Like both, it's both a what's critique the other one? and a mirror. So there is, it has a bias. I do think it has a bias. But it also but it, is it, impartial in other ways. We're saying this also because the characters in the show felt like real people. Yes. Right? Absolutely. And I think that's to the credit of the showmakers. Yeah. Like, it does have a bias in that like it shows how like ridiculous some of these reactions are. Mm-hmm. And like that people are dumb for buying into the system. But... Also, we feel for the characters, you know, like we've we know people that are like susceptible to, you know, wanting material things and wanting wealth like yeah. that. I mean, what we're talking about is literally antiheroes. Like. I think we came full circle. <laughs> it's just like, why do we like Walter White? Because he's badass, but he killed a lot of people, <laughs> you know? But also, he felt like a real person. Yes. I mean, I think towards the end, he was a little cartoony. So, is the moral, we, we're, we're all shitty, but we're also all have I think we all too? have the potential to do great and to do, to do great things and to do really awful things. Mm. Okay. I think that's a good point to leave off on. It's kind of indifferent. <laughs> we're not saying anything. <laughs> No, we said a lot. Of th- I think we explored but also, what it could I mean, be about. Also, like, what is it that is making these characters do terrible things? It's the usually the system. Sure. Like, for, for Walter White, it was that he didn't have money to pay for his medical bills yeah. after getting cancer. That was a for, critique of the healthcare system. Yeah. And then for her, it's... Her husband died, and she can't afford to... No, I know, think for her, it was... The idea, because she bought into it too, or she bought bought into it by proxy of him. It was the idea that like <sighs> poverty is treatable. Poverty is something you can overcome mm-hmm. because she already shows inklings of it. Is like, I just don't want to be poor again. You know, it's it's the idea that like I already survived poverty and I'm never going back to it. It's almost like jail. <laughs> But yeah, it is about systems. And I think that's why the show works so well. All right, what would you rate it? Mm, 4.5. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably go about the same. 4.5, 4.6, what is What is making it not perfect for you? If we're talking about like my initial gut reaction, it was a perfect show for me. Mm. But I think, you know, in terms of a pilot, I think it's, I'd give it a 5. Yeah, I but thought it was very well written. It was very well written. It was had a, a bit of everything. It had intrigue. It had like, you know, th- things to come. Sure. It felt like a very compact look into what this is going to be about. Yeah, I mean, we were able to speculate so much about the show with just watching one episode. Yeah. And I think the best pilots do that. Mm-hmm. They get you thinking about what the whole thing is going to be about. Yeah. It got renewed for a second season. Hmm. How long do you think it's going to go for? I don't know, man. I kind of wish it was a miniseries of like two seasons. I hope it doesn't go like super long. Three seasons? Did you hear about Netflix and canceling stuff? What happened? People were complaining of like, why, or people were noticing the trend that a lot of shows get canceled after the second season. And it's because Netflix said that like 
Actually, I don't know. Where did I hear this from? I think I heard this from Watch Mojo. now that I think about it. So Netflix didn't actually say this. Yeah. But they're saying that it's like a return on... In- that they're going to lose their return on investment. By the third season? By the third season. That makes sense. It would have been more expensive for them to I wonder if cancel like- the show after the first season than to cancel it after the second season. I wonder if it's like a... Now they're like a... They have to pay out more because it's the third season? You know what I mean? Yeah, like it's like contracts. Okay. Like contracts are usually up to two seasons. Mm. And so, and people write things up to two seasons. Yeah, because each season you get more bargaining power, right? Yeah. I'd imagine. Interesting. Yeah, so after the third season, it just like, the contracts are up and like things are over. The set pieces can can be returned or yeah. whatever. Mm. Yeah. Actors can look for different work. Instead of investing in the next season, which is probably going to cost more because mm-hmm. they get more expensive each season. Usually. Sometimes. And then anyway. also after like the second season, there are usually no more new viewers. Mm. It's hard to kind of get It's hard to board. get interest after the, the second season. Mm. Anyway. Anyway. That's the end of this episode. Rate us on iTunes, please. That's it? Just on iTunes? Rate us on other things, please. Follow us. Subscribe to us. Tell people about us. What What should we do next? <laughs> I'm going to do what I want. I don't care. Hey.